Welcome to the podcast, Social Skills for Dummies. It's the host of the podcast, Dallas. And today I'm coming to you uh, to kind of put a little cherry on top of the saga from the episode, two episodes ago, about This Changes Everything, about NPD and bipolar disorder. I'm not a psychologist, and so I kind of want to wrap this up, you know, that little leg of ideas up, because I'm not the foremost expert on those types of things. And so... These are just some of the things I experienced and some of the things that I suppose. And so I kind of want to put a cherry on that. One of the things that I've always said in my life, and when I work with people one-on-one, with clients, you know, with their social transformation, um, one of the things that I usually talk about is like the way we define whether we have the same problem, whether I can help you, is if, is if you relate to this statement, you know. For me, I didn't have a lot of attention and a lot of love and a lot of stability for my caretakers when I was being raised. And so that resulted in for it, it because I felt like invisible for a lot of my young life. I didn't feel like my parents necessarily saw me or praised me for the things that I did. Um, that created in me uh, an overcompensation where I kind of praised and loved myself and find found better devices to kind of reap those things from the environment for myself because there was a lack of it. And so innately, I began to develop a personality that was primed to gain praise, that was primed to gain admiration and adoration and those things. And that was the number one currency for me. Okay. And so a lot of people that listen to this podcast probably feel the same way. I never had. I've always been underdog. I've always been attacked. I've always been been overlooked. I've always been slept on by my parents. It started in, in the home. It started with the people that was closest to me. It started with society that was closest to me. And I had to find a way out. I had to find a way to love myself. I had to find a way to put myself on. And that's the way I kind of felt for a long time. And so, but that's also how you know and kind of start on the trail of defining what type of problem you have and if you do have a problem. It came to a point last year in my life where I was working at the casino. I talked about this a lot on the podcast where I experienced one thing that made me realize that I had an issue. And this is the one common symptom that you know, reveals who you are in life or, 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 or the stones that you have left unturned. It reveals the trials that you've went through and how they've shaped you. Okay. And so, um, one of the experiences I had is a lot last year is that I work in a casino and the dealers, they come and go every 40 minutes in the casino. So they push a table and they work with you for 40 minutes and then they're gone. And one of the things that I realized is when there's a dealer that I like, they would come to the table and I would feel this spike of energy, spike of brain activity, and I would be super charismatic, and I would, you know, laugh, and I would joke, and I would feel delight, you know, almost enhanced freakish delight to a certain certain extent, you know, everything would just kind of like raise up, you know, and be frenetic and chaotic, and then when when they were gone, that that's part maybe that's normal, but when they were gone, I wouldn't go back to a default, I wouldn't go back to a normalcy, I wouldn't go, I would go to a deficit, and. I work in a casino and just observing the way the casino works, I realized between me and people who were gambling in the casino, we had that in common. They would gamble and gamble and gamble and gamble. And they would gamble. And when they would win sometimes, before the dealer would pay them, they would take their money back. And that revealed to me a lot about what we were doing here. A lot of the gambling that was being done wasn't about winning money. A lot of the gambling that was being done was about being a winner in general and the feeling in the rush of winning. And we're using gambling as a device to kind of peak their state. 
And when they couldn't gamble, they would feel, you know, as a, uh, they would feel a deficit in their state. They wouldn't go back to a, de- a, a strong neutral. They would, wouldn't go back to the default. They would go to a deficit. In fact, when they would send me dealers that I didn't like, my state or my mood would be worse. Okay. And I'm a person. So, of course, you know, like and don't like corresponds with things that benefit me. They, 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 they correspond with utilities. And so like is usually, a, okay, that's a pretty lady. And dislike is like, oh, that's an old guy. You know, it'd be very, very simple and straightforward like that. But one thing I observed is that, you know, just like the people that were in front of me, I, I, I like to think of myself as different. Like, okay, I'm different, I'm spiritual, and all these different things. But I realized, whereas they chose to get high off of gambling, I was getting high off of people. I was drinking people's energy. And if you listen to the saga of last summer that I documented on this podcast, a lot of my ego in my head and my life was inflated around the idea of that, you know, most people I could get. I was I was excited about that idea. Like, most people were fond of me most people were had adoration for me. most people were my allies and that was something that tickled me infinitely it, it made it almost made me feel like i was in paradise for a for a long a long time but in reflection coming to this year that's just one of the things that i wanted to emphasize that's how you know that you're experiencing a problem something's wrong because you shouldn't go into a deficit without the adoration of people you shouldn't go into a, 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 a you should be at a hard neutral you should still be happy without things happiness state should be self-generated it shouldn't come from outside of your head okay and so you know that was a lot of the things that i talked about before the hiatus that i went on and with the episode this changes everything um i kind of you know opened up a, a new pandora's box in a way where i began to kind of define some of the experiences that i had you know um my general motif of last summer the solution to those experiences was okay you want energy you want a higher state and you want it from the people around you you want adoration you want love you want things but these things only come from people who don't crave those these things come from people who put out those who exist as the beacon for those people rather than the other way around who exist for the as the addiction rather than the addictee or the addictor you know or, or the addict that's the word are you the addiction or are you the addict you know because everybody most people feels the feel the way you feel but is it you're going to them to get that feeling and so they get none from you because you have you're at a deficit and you're trying to get it from them or is it the other way around you're full of life you're full of love you're full of happiness you're full of excitement and they can get the feeling from you um you're either the flame or the moth and the flame always attracts the moth the biggest motif of last summer was you have to be the flame and so in narrowing down on an idea, one of the things that I was able to do was kind of define some of the terminology, uh, it really put a concrete understanding in my head of what exactly was going on. And so, like I said, growing up, I feel like I had a lack of attention and love and praise from, you know, um, my caretakers, the people who raised me and just people in general. I was always underdog, the underdog. I was always the outcast. And, you know, I was recently research, researching bipolar disorder, which I'm not going to talk about too much today. But really, narcissistic personality disorder. And one of the things about narcissistic personality disorder, I don't really want to touch on narcissistic personality disorder, but being somewhat of a narcissist. Because growing up, you know, of course I'm full of myself. There's no one that was ever betting on me. So I had to do it for myself. And I think a lot of people feel that way. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think most people have narcissistic tendencies or is a narcissist, quote unquote, in some way. 
And I think it's an overblown issue. You know, I think most people, when I was growing up, people would always call me arrogant, overconfident, and things like that. They would call me a narcissist. And a lot of it was because I had, I had to believe in myself. That's just a survival mechanism. But I was researching narcissistic personality disorder and narcissism in general. And a lot of that can be created from inconsistent caretaking where the reward or your praise wasn't necessarily uh, equivalent to your merits or the things that you've actually done. And so if you do great things and people want to praise you or you do things that you were, that were deserving of praise or attention and you never got it, it could develop into narcissistic personality disorder. And so I'm... I'm, I'm looking at the lattice work of, of, of events in my life and kind of trying to make sense of it. It's like when you, like, uh, like a superhero movie where they're trying to find like a villain or something like that. And it's this map of strings on the board behind them. It's kind of what I, what I was going through. And so I wanted to bring that to you just to inform you of some of the things that you might be experiencing so that you can have a roadmap to find your way out. And so narcissistic personality disorder. When I was reading, there were two terms that really jumped out at me. Um, that kind of, um, solidified my understanding of what happened last year and those two terms were narcissistic supply and pathological narcissistic space okay and what narcissistic supply is is essentially what narcissists do is they set up a pathological narcissistic space uh it's usually defined by an actual place like for me a casino or for you a club that you might go to or school or a wrestling team for me it was a wrestling team before and what we essentially do is we go into these spaces, you know, um, what the problem is, we go into these spaces and we try to put our, you know, we use, you know, the strategies, uh, the personality that we develop growing up, the personality that is meant to be charismatic to get as much attention as possible. And we just try to just be as charismatic and cool as possible. And we just reap, you know, adoration or admiration from these places. And we just use these places to get high. We use these people to get high, to make our heads bigger, to make ourselves feel better, to make ourselves feel like the man. Oh, I'm the man when I go to this club. Oh, I'm the man when I go to this bar. I'm the man here. And if you don't get that, you go into a spiral and you crash. And they say the narcissist, when he doesn't get his supply, he becomes almost zombie-like. You know, um, you lose all animation. You become zombie-like, depressed, and... You know, and, and, and you're basically in this cycle of going really up, getting really high and going down, going really up. And that's why I believe it's associated with bipolar disorder. Um, but this is just it's not it's my understanding of it. OK, so don't take this as fact or law or anything like that. But this is what I've what I gather from it. And so, you know, what narcissistic personalities, pathological narcissistic spaces is the space that you use to reap narcissistic supply, which narcissistic supply is just, you know, you can go here and these people like you so you can get a supply of admiration, a supply of just a boost uh, of, of adoration and it can make you feel better. You can get high off it. And so I've come to an understanding that, you know, because of the way that we've been raised, maybe we have a little bit of a problem and the problem, it, it puts you in these wild swinging cycles first off. But secondly, it prevents you from getting to the end of the rainbow in the first place because you fiend and you crave for this attention is adoration so far that when you don't necessarily get it it puts you in a place where you lack animation where you lack energy where you lack power whereas where the, those things come from in the first place so a lot of people may be stuck in downward spirals where they're just dead where they're just beat up where they're just brutalized where they're just depressed where they're just tired of the world where they're tired of people because they haven't gotten their fix my solution as i told you last summer you have to find out how to be separate from that you have to find out how to create state within yourself be separate from the fix be a full energetic energized happy complete person you know by yourself 
And that's what a lot of the advice on this podcast is about. And from there, you begin to go into society, not with the intentions of setting up a pathological narcissistic space and getting supply from it, but being the supplier, you know, being the sun, being the light, being the, you know, the bringer of energy. That's what this is all about. The journey is about breaking the curses that you were growing up with. And yeah, they served you for a while, but you can't win until you let go. Okay, and so my lunch is ending, but I'll see you soon. I just wanted to drop this quick episode and talk a little bit about that. Um, it's day two. Uh, we have a little 30-day challenge I'm doing. Um, I'm going to talk more about the 30-day challenge in day three when I have more time. But again, I have the 10 keys to social mastery. Uh, it's about changing, transfor- transforming your social life completely, your social skills completely. Um, not improving them, transforming them. Uh, and it's a program that you can actually get. It comes out July 21st for about probably two or three days. It'll be available and it'll go back down. It's limited to 50 people. This program is only of only one of its kind. And it's different because most programs, they teach you how to improve your social skills by grinding it out and learning a bunch of techniques and stupid stuff. Most of us are actually already social. But we have a lot of trauma that's blocking us from being that way. This is about how you remove the trauma. It's way quicker, way more simple of a process. You don't really have to learn anything. You have to do less and step into your natural natural social savvy. Step into your silver tongue. Step into your natural, natural extroversion. So if you're interested in that, it'll be at July 21st. It'll probably, I'm not going to tell you where it is, but it'll probably be at socialskillsfordummies.com. Probably. But look out for it on July 21st. It'll be a program. It'll be epic. So if you're interested in that, wait for that on July 21st. It'll be a month from now at the end of the 30 days. So it's day two right now. But I have to go. I thank you so much for listening. And break free. Let go. Everything that you're addicted to, run away from it. Run away. And find a new, free, and more powerful you. This is Dallas from Social Skills for Dummies. I appreciate you so much for listening. Thank you.